0: Hello, welcome to the edited version of Josie and Robin's Book Shambles. If you'd like to hear the full version of this conversation, then you can go to cosmicshambles.com/bookshambles and become one of our Patreon supporters, uh, which you can do for as little as one dollar an episode. That's one US dollar, and obviously it will depend on which of our economies is declining more, uh, how much that actually works out in pounds, uh, euros, etc.
1: Hello, welcome to Robin and JC's Book Shambles. Now, I'm introducing this episode, which is uh, with Stuart Lee, brilliant comedian, human being. Uh, Unfortunately, I was ill, I got the norovirus, and on top of being pregnant, I can tell you that is a brutal um, engagement. So I was stuck at home. And I missed recording this episode. So whatever they say, it's got nothing to do with me. And if I'd have been there, I'd have probably picked them up on everything they said. And when it comes down to it, I am furious. Uh, we
0: talked a lot about I Hate the Internet.
1: Oh, I love that film. Uh, that book even. Uh, of course, that's Stu's kind of book. Yeah, that makes loads of sense to me.
0: Yeah, he had an all underlined copy and everything, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. That's of course, good. he's now, you know, really good friends with Jarrett Kobeck and everything. they sit in a little corner of a bar going, oh, yeah, nothing's rubbish, right? <laughs> so, Josie, just so people can drop into the conversation, because a lot of people obviously re-edit these shows, um, what would you have said during the conversation? Because Michael Legg and Stuart Lee both, they I mean, I liked I Hate the Internet a lot, but they were yeah, Of course, Michael properly... Legg,
1: the substitute Josie Long. Yeah. And they were really into it. I think what Michael I would have made said... a little
0: trouser suit for his copy of
1: I Hate the Internet and he'd, like, popped it on. Oh, yeah. that's very delicate. I, I did really enjoy the book. I hate the internet. I thought it was really interesting, and I thought the style reminded me of someone like Kurt Vonnegut a lot in terms of the sort of the viewpoint of the narration and the um, terseness of it. The only thing I found was I do love it when I feel as if I really connect with the characters, and I wasn't totally sure that that's how. I mean, it's not that kind of book in the same way; it just isn't. And so I was interested. Like to see what his other writing would be. I know that he's got another book which is kind of a prequel coming out, and I think that'd be really interesting to read.
0: It's the weird thing, I hadn't known this till Stuart said it's actually not a prequel, it was the book that he wrote first no! with those characters. Yeah,
1: no way, yeah. isn't that hilarious? That's um, yeah, that's really interesting. How funny, and they must have gone, Yeah, we'll release that one here, let's just look at the second one that we like. and He's like, No, 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 this is my baby, and that's what he thinks.
0: But anyway, so that was... uh, So, unfortunately, Josie was ill in this episode.
2: Actually, just before we start, a quick reminder that you can support the show by pledging on Patreon. Without people's uh, pledges and support on there, we wouldn't be able to keep making the show. So we are very thankful for everyone who pledges on there. And, of course, there are different reward tiers, so you can get lots of different perks, depending on how much you want to pledge. So there's extended episodes, there's behind-the-scenes videos we've got a book club uh that we're starting soon there is a chance for you to come and be a guest on book shambles with robin and josie so do go and check all that out at patreon.com slash book shambles and if you're unable to Uh, pledge via Patreon uh, in any sort of financial way you can help out the show just by spreading the word on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or whatever it is you use or just yell it in the street if you're not on social media Um, and you can leave us a 5 star review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show as well that really helps us out so thank you very much uh, for listening to me crap on about that And now here is... Oh, no, that's another thing. Forgot to mention that. Uh, Because this was a really long episode, we ended up recording for over an hour and a half. Um, This is going to be uh, released as two parts. So one part today and then one part... The second part will come out on Sunday evening on your normal podcast feed. And now here is the episode. (music)
0: Hello, welcome to Josie and Robin's Book Shambles. Unfortunately, Josie is not well. We got a message uh, about less than 12 hours ago where she said uh, she wouldn't be able to make it in. So I have got my another of my uh, podcast partners, because I can't do podcasts alone, No, and uh, much better... Than the well-known physicist, I have the notoriously <laughs> yeah, arthritic Michael Leg. That was it.
3: There was a secondary where everyone got their hopes up. Yeah. Like, well, I'm here to ruin everything. <laughs> yeah.
0: Really? I am Brian Cox, and I love John Updike. <laughs> uh, he does like John Updike, but anyway. So I'm joined by Michael Leg, um, and my, and also we have Stuart Lee. But Stuart Lee hasn't started yet because Stuart yeah. Lee's in the corner of the room and he's going through the books he's brought in, just marking out different pages. So he I was, didn't
3: know. I didn't know we had to bring in books.
0: You don't have to. Great. Well, no, that, just,
3: that, I've gone for option B. You're a co-presenter.
0: Yeah. All right. It's fine. Hi. So I wanted to. Uh, so I've, I've just come back from Toronto. Uh, nice. Well, I saw an ice hockey game with an astronaut. Though I though you don't say ice hockey. You say hockey. Otherwise, you look very foolish. Come on, yeah. Leafs. And come on, weird, Leafs. Isn't
3: it? It's like in. Uh, it, but you, you have to say hot tea if you want a tea. Do you? Yeah, you can't just say kind of a tea because then they bring you an iced tea.
0: So they add words. Oh, yeah. this is silly. I'm glad I was only there for a couple of days. Yeah, so, um, so I wanted to mention that one of my favourite bookshops is there. It's called She Said Boom. In fact, there's two branches now. And the first, the first time I went, she said, Boom was because I read a review on the internet. I looked up secondhand bookshops, which is obviously the first internet search I do when I get to any city. And I read this review, just went, "This bookshop appears to be run by junkies," and uh, seemed very. I was just trying to look behind the curtain to see if there was something else there, and they said, "What are you doing? Why are you looking behind the curtain?" I mean, how was I to know there wouldn't be? You know, the, the kind of. I thought this sounds like an excellent bookshop, and it was. And I walked in and they were playing the first Soft Machine album, uh, which is actually how I got in. Soft Machine. Was going, Did you just step into your own head? <laughs> it, it was the equivalent of I go to Mr. Ben's shop and they go, pop on this cardigan. And then suddenly <laughs> I'm another form of bibliophile and I open the dress and out I went. And uh, they're playing Soft Machine. And at this time when I went to them, they were playing Dirt Wears White Socks. Oh, nice. Uh, never trust a man with egg on his face
3: playing any Alice Cooper that's all I've been doing if you want to know anything about me I've not been to Canada but I don't know, I've, been, I've been inside the head of Alice Cooper for I don't know two weeks it's not about that kind of thing this, that, that's very much for the Vitrola oh, podcast yeah, you, no no hang on we're talking about music so
0: why would that no, really no, no, be anything that, to do with Alice history, Cooper I mean? has to be attached to a bibliophilic story
3: oh he's written a book what's it called um, Golf Monster that's what it's called that's I true. hope it is yeah. it is it's true and no Is it really um, called golf? yeah it really is and readers it's not very good Oh. So there you go, that's my non-recommendation of the podcast.
0: So I presume it's one of those ones where you can tell quite easily that a ghostwriter was given half a day. Oh,
3: do you know what? It's far worse. He wrote it. Oh, did he? Yeah, yeah. It's not very good.
0: Oh. yeah. Well, that's the first recommendation. Yeah. Uh, which is great because it's already saved you time. Yes, exactly. Um, but this time, anyway, so I went, I went to the two shops I went to, was She Said Boom and The Beguiling, which is a fantastic uh, comic shop, which is only just down... Uh, from uh, She Said Boom. But She Said Boom. So the books I picked up, I got a Kurt Vonnegut uh, autobiography. Uh, not autobiography, sorry. Kurt Vonnegut uh, autobiography is kind of all his novels from 1967 onwards. But uh, uh, Kurt Vonnegut biography. And uh, what else did I get? Uh, I got uh, Bob Flanagan, Super Masochist from the uh, Research uh, Library of Books, which is one of those. Do you know Bob Flanagan, Super no. Masochist? You know his name, Stu, don't you? Yeah, but I
4: can't, I've got to look in this book. at least like.
0: just still finding his place in the book. Yeah. And this is very much like the book club show that I used to do, which <laughs> most of it was uh, an accordionist <laughs> waiting for me to find the correct I Daniel I can find poem. the bit I want to really read you. This is a fascinating thing, isn't it? That there is That a point of page blindness where you are able to look at every single page and go, but where is the one that I want? Yeah. Mm. Uh, uh, Anyway, so, yeah, Bob Flanagan's Supermasochist, which is also turned into a film. And uh, then, this was the book that really fascinated me, is uh, it is Mojave Psychiatry and Suicide, the Psychiatric Knowledge and the Psychic Disturbances of an Indian Tribe. You know, when you see a book called that and you go... That I have to possess, and it is just fantastic. It's got various different how the Mojave people, the forms of different psychiatry they use, uh, the kind of sexual laws and rules they have, uh, how there are what they would consider to be uh, impulsive sexual uh, ideas that uh, are therefore things that cannot be controlled. There are certain uh, and then others which are outlawed, which they believe can be controlled, and for that you will be punished. And they have this; it's a whole book about. uh, I didn't know that I needed to know about the Mojave ethno psychiatry and and suicide ideas well Mojave, I did but I knew mm. you needed to know that but that is one of my favourite books that I've picked up <laughs> on every single page it has <laughs> another intriguing in your face it's uh, yeah, it almost impossible to determine precisely which body product is the ultimate prototype of magic substances in Mojave psychology this is a gold mine um, and also right the first book I'm going to mention uh, is have you yet read Michael this is Memorial Device by David Keenan not yet Formerly member of Telstar Ponies. All oh, right, you remember Telstar Ponies, yeah? Don't a teenage you? fan
3: club at one point.
0: Oh, was he in teenage? Yeah, and he fans? runs a
4: he runs an improvised music record label now, doesn't he? As well, well. I, yeah. When I lost, it, he was mainly. It's a really good book. You know, what, I better come in on this. Yeah, you can join yes, in. I'll try. I, and, I was finding. Uh, I'll try and find this bit where I, you know, because there's a really great bit in here that everyone will love, and I can't find it. Anyway, maybe. What's the book that just just so? Well, it's "Workshy: My Life Was a Bludge" by Dave Graney, but we'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. Now so if you
0: can't find so if anyone's got that at home Well, I'm looking for the uh, bit where he talks You look about for what you what think it's like
4: working in an office and having a job in the arts and the people the questions the people there ask you about it that are completely inappropriate uh, but I will find it go on I'm, jo- I'm going to join in I'll So yes
0: this is memorial device yeah, which, which has done really well I've only I've only started reading it uh I'm yeah about 30 pages in and it is uh, all about the um Fictional airdry music scene mixed with because uh, David Keenan wrote a book you've probably got it haven't you from uh, Stranger Tract He wrote a book about Coil yeah, didn't you yeah. in I didn't like the book actually that's two yeah. we are saving people so much time no, I mean
4: but I mean if you were really into that stuff you would probably but I don't I didn't know and uh, I didn't I know or understand that music and I didn't know or understand it by the end and I and I wanted to and I felt like I couldn't. I couldn't get, I understand, there's some good anecdotes in it, particularly the one about um, David uh, David Tibet from Current 93 choosing to worship Noddy for some time, and it being as good as worshipping God, <laughs> and uh, David Keenan's <laughs> bit on that is really good, but yeah, I feel like, I mean, he calls it, it's England's Hidden Reverse, it's about a sort of occult, psychedelic underground of the post-punk era, and I I just can't, I, I, um, I'm, I'm sort of getting to grips with Current 93 a bit, because... I keep meeting um, David Tibet of various things, and I can see that I can feel the sort of acoustic folkiness, Blakey and apocalyptic aspect of it. But the other stuff, I, you know, I hate to sound like an old man, but most of it, it just sounds like noise to me. I can't <laughs> see,
2: I can't see what it.
4: And then David Keenan's book didn't. It, it was, I think, it was written for people that were. Already into it, you know. Uh, um, but this one sounds good, and I did really want to read this.
0: Well, the moment I got to page five, where it says, "Every Saturday I would meet Johnny, and we would travel into Glasgow and buy two LPs each. The first, Ramones album, the Sonics, Boom, Easter Everywhere by the Thirteenth Floor Elevators." Oh. I thought, "Can's Tego Mago? It is tego Mago, yeah, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, metal Box." But I thought, "Oh, I know, like this. Yeah. Well,
4: Stuart Blinkin Lee. You know what's great about that? I mean, he's describing a period where just finding records was astounding. And I remember Julian mm. Cope writing in The Enemy in about." 1984, when he started playing sort of psychedelic music, he wrote some lists, and I think Bobby Gillespie did a similar thing of like records you must hear, and it was like a bloke showing off, going, "I've got these, yeah. you're never yeah. going to hear them." And I know Dan Mayo, you'll know, a com- comedy writer, talking about having read about the Thirteen Elevators and then actually just finding a finding a record about four years <laughs> later when he's about twenty in the in the mid mid eighties, finding a just not very good live bootleg on vinyl of them and buying it because there was literally no way you could. You could hear anything, and you know I kind of find myself thinking about this a lot, and part, partly the new stand-up shows about it. That actually the stuff, the stuff probably seemed more amazing than it was simply oh, because it was, was. utterly definitely. inaccessible. You know, definitely. And, and like there's that thing he's describing. I know exactly that. We used to go on the train to Reddington's Rare Records in Birmingham. And now I'd think back on it. We would get off the train all through the '80s, early '80s, and the heavy metal kids from school were buying heavy metal, and I was looking for two-tone and reggae, and all laid out in front of you. Were hundreds of unwanted '60s and '70s vertigo swirl albums and, and things that you didn't even know what they were that were all 10P and no one could get rid of them and now they're well I mean sort of, uh, I
3: mean I, I, I'm pretty safe in saying that yeah. our houses are full of those records so yeah, yeah. The records got we, like we had to have them we yeah. had to have them and then and then we had them and somehow the magic was gone
0: yeah now my taste was terrible though. I was far too, uh, as opposed to the idiosyncratic Stuart Lee, I was far too led by uh, what the enemy suggested. Yeah. And I've attacked Andrew Collins in the past for this, as well as some of his star ratings in the Radio Times book of film. But uh, <laughs> the, the, there are records that you look it back and you form. go, that was just, it was so nothing. But I felt that I had well, to. Well, we've
3: said this a million times, haven't we? But I mean, I, I sometimes wake up in the middle of and I go, oh, i but so much Shed 7 and Soft Machine were just sitting there yeah. and they were yeah, waiting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Soft Machine is, yeah. as I said, yeah, that yeah. she said boom, going into that shop and then going, Ridiculous. I need to own all of Soft Machine. I don't know. In some ways, when my house flooded with sewage and I lost half my record collection, <laughs> it was a very... The fact we were the only house where that happened, yeah. it does seem that it was specifically aimed by some, you know, yeah. some guy who was sacked by sounds in 1987 and, and the clearing. vengeance against NME well, and Melody I was, Maker. I was
4: there and the remember in Edinburgh, I was we were doing a little... Me and Robin were doing... You might be on the bill. We are doing a little gig you know, everyone's in ten minutes in a cellar somewhere and um and the phone call came through from Robin's wife that his record collection had been flooded with sewage. Yeah. And it was so awful. It's one of those things that's yeah. so awful that you you have to laugh, you know, and uh, and then Robin went on and did off the top of his head the most hilarious 20 minutes about it because it was the pain was right. absolutely yeah. raw it was so good it was the sort of thing Louis C.K. would have paid to release yeah. immediately well you see
3: you were, probably, <laughs> you were probably told about it in a different way because yeah. I was told by Howard Reed yeah. uh, during that exact same year right and it had then, been br- processed well, but you'd obviously be told hey listen bad news about yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. sewage," yeah, yeah. and in that serious tone because why would you not laugh yeah. but he ran up to me going "Ah, guess what happened and he said ah ha <laughs> 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 that's just totally ruined. And, of course, I just connected to it far and too a, much. Yeah.
0: And that, coming from Howard <laughs> Reed, who had broken my arm five years before. That's nothing. Yeah. He
3: tried to kill me the other night, and that's true. I told him that I can't have any alcohol due to the heavy medication I'm on. He immediately just gave me a glass of vodka, which I net. I didn't well, because that. Yeah, because I... you
4: thought it was water. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did that to Owen O'Neill about 20 years ago when he was on the wagon. And he was a really seriously bad alcoholic. When he I said, do you want a drink? And he said tonic, and I thought he said vodka and tonic, and I went and well, mm. one. Anyway, it hasn't stopped him
0: becoming a playwright and a literary figure, which ties that back into this
4: um, right. podcast.
0: So, anyway, I will highly recommend uh, where I've got to so far. This is Memorial Device. It is, as I said, it's kind of I've oh, Go on, yeah, it's, tell it's us fictional. all about that. Well, it's just, it, it's lots of different parts of, of, of narration. It, it's a kind of fragmented documentary book of 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 a fiction, so I like that kind of genre anyway. Yeah. And it's got so the second chapter is uh, an, an interview that the guy that you might consider to be the protagonist did with uh, a member of Memorial Device, uh, and he only asked one question, and the guy just goes, oh, there's a lovely story." Where he says uh, um, there's, they talk about a guy called Sinew Singer, Sinew Singer and obviously this is much better if you have some kind of, you know, an Airdrie accent, but he goes, Check it out his friend had a scrapbook that he filled with pictures of rock stars and pop stars, Buddy Holly, the Everly Brothers, fucking Dion and the Belmonts, I don't know, they were leafing through it one night and he turns to a page that has a picture of Elvis on it, early Elvis, young Elvis, Elvis where he looks like a flick knife, and just looking at him he feels like he has stuck his finger in a light bulb socket, he says he literally felt his hair rise up into a kind of electrified quiff, and you know what he means? That haircut was aerodynamic, he came from rushing headlong into the future. He asks his friend, who the fuck is this guy? And he says to him, it's the new singer. But he mishears it as it's sinew singer. His <laughs> mind is even more blown apart. He mishears it as this guy whose every muscle, whose every vein, every fucking sinew of his body is singing. You know, fuck Iggy Pop. Yeah. Oh, that's and awesome. the reason I chose that is because I know that you've been going through an Iggy Pop phase. Yes,
3: Yes, you're right. I have been.
0: But it's a very... That sounds really great. It's and I love the fact I I saw David Keenan down at end of the road festival. We were doing the little thing at the the literary tent they had down there, and he talked about the fact that like he wrote his first novel literally to throw it away. He said he knew it would be rubbish, so but he wrote the whole thing, and then the moment it was finished, you know, none of that, you know, the Terry Pratchett steamroller came in before anyone had even had a chance to to look at it, and he just destroyed that. And I think that's something like his fifth novel. Right, but it's right. the first one that got published, and it was the first one that he kind of felt right. I think now I can approach people. I think I've written, and it's it's uh, it's very, uh, yeah, it, it's got great. I mean, it's got a real.
4: It's about the Scottish post punk scene of the early 80s, basically. So yeah. In that, I, I remember when so I. So it's a,
0: real bands and then also a fictional. Right. Landscape you know, when you were a, a kid and you used band. to
4: listen to Peel, and if you didn't catch the name of something, it was gone forever. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I remember this record I really loved, right? Called. Uh, and it came on, and and I didn't really catch the name of the group, but I wrote it down, and I, I thought they were called Hepcat Gloss, right? Hepcat Gloss. And I've spent my whole life looking for Hepcat Gloss. And I did finally Google them. They did exist. They made one 12-inch, which presumably is that wow. record, yeah, yeah, yeah. which was out of a shop in Dundee, and I yeah. cannot find it anywhere. And I, I remember it had violin on it and really scronky sort of Captain b fighty rhythms yeah. and a woman going... You're of no importance <laughs> like that over it, right? And I know I know it's out there. And yeah. I, but it's not, also it's not been on any of uh, those blog sites or anything right. like that. And they were part of a Dundee post punk scene in the early eighties apparently. Mm. And I've I've even looked for it in Dundee. I've gone to the source and not and not found it. But it's interesting that it's not even it's not even up anywhere. That and sounds
3: like, like the ultimate one of those records. Yeah. I and mean, you'll probably get given it on your well, deathbed I hope so, and yeah. then you hear it and you go oh, yeah. rubbish.
4: But I mean the uh, you know, the idea of setting a novel in that milieu is really great as well mm. because it's sort of they're sort of, it's all sort of out there, isn't it? Sort of semi-documented. And, um, uh, I mean, this is an interesting thing about Jarrett Kobeck who we're going to talk about later, but, I mean, I mean he's written a novel in um, 90s, noughties San Francisco and a novel in 80s, 90s New York. And how very quickly, places, times that we remember, you have to research them historically. You have to make sure that they're, that they're right. And, actually, the, the near past is quite difficult to get right oh, yeah. because you assume <clears throat> yeah. everyone remembers it. But David Keenan's going to be the person to absolutely culturally nail or that. Just watching the X Files. Watched the first episode of the X Files the other night from 1993. Mm-hmm. Of course, no one's got mobile phones, have they? It's how how recently that was yeah. different, you yeah. know. And having to put money into phones and leave messages for each other, and just really trivial things are, are different. And part of that scene, I've not read that book, but I know it'll be about hookups and how did you meet people and where did you go to places and the 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 time that that took to find, or if someone had got a record. Loads of people would go to their house to listen yeah, to it. and yeah. That would be that would right. be like the thing, you know. And it was, a, it, and you had a power
0: because you had that information. Mm. So this is, um, as you mentioned, Jarrett Cobert. Now I've talked about him with, with Josie because she really enjoyed his his. Uh, this is his first novel, isn't it? I hate the internet. I think. I'd well, yeah, and
4: what there's um, an experimental one about uh, the nine one one bombing. that's written as a sort of biographical account of the uh, one of the terrorists. Uh, and then, then he he wrote an, he wrote another novel, um, uh, about New York, featuring the same characters as I Hate the Internet, set ten years earlier, which came out last year. But he published I Hate the Internet first, weirdly. Oh, right. So the one that's yeah. just come
0: out on Serpent's yeah, Tale. yeah, yeah, so
3: yeah is suddenly forgotten the name of, which
0: is bad. Uh, so that is so you've just started reading it. Literally just started reading it. I'm about third of the way through. And the normally the shortcut people would give to it is because it's it's about comic books and it's right. about uh misogyny in the internet really isn't it if you if you want to initially if you want to go on the the... well i read it as being about
4: how um something we've all seen happen in our
0: lives as people
4: approaching 50 is how big companies have colonized what was the space for dropouts weirdos artists the counterculture um bob slayer sent me an interesting email the other day saying i realized i've spent 20 years he said complaining about Avalon and these big companies monetizing Edinburgh, changing it, monopolizing things. But actually, it's just a model of the wider world of Amazon, of Uber, mm. of uh, Apple. And um, and Jarrett's book is about that happening to San Francisco and about it happening to the San Francisco counterculture. And he understands he understands everything that's wrong with the world through how um, internet companies have monopolized not only business but also the very places that people live in those cities, the employers of the, the workers for those towns of price to all the people that made that town what it is out and uh, he's also it also it's a book where the style of it is is really appropriate to the to the content it's not novelistic is it it's it's written in very short bursts like snatches of text from a website or or tweets or Mm -hmm. things and he's done that on purpose so it has that it has that disorientating leaping about quality that you get from spending too much time online where you can't really get a That's bigger right. picture of the thing. You're just taking all these different individual people's views. So I, I think it's it's absolutely superb. I'm slightly... Uh, I'm, I'm really excited about what he does next and I've not been like that about a living writer for a long time.
3: And it's a, it's a good book if you really want to sort of feel slightly sick. Yeah. Yeah, because the whole idea of... You know, I mean, who hasn't, you know, sort of had that sort of like, Jack Kirby was completely ripped off. Of course he was. But, you know, we're sort of willingly doing almost exactly the same thing. To ourselves. Yeah, to ourselves.
4: I mean, he he uses the comics industry in the 60s as a model for what we're all doing. So, you know, Jack Kirby and these guys, they were paid a page rate. They were worked for high. They didn't get to to own their stuff. In fact, a friend of mine, uh, well, I was at college with, who I won't name, but he was, he was, he, was involved, he was a writer on the reboot of a major comic book uh-huh. franchise. in the, in, And then that his version of it became the hit Hollywood film. Right. And I went, oh, I bet that's great, isn't it? And he went, yeah, do you know what? It was brilliant because I went to see it at the cinema and at the end they put thanks to me at the end. <laughs> God. Yeah, but Yeah, oh, but God. as far as he was yeah. concerned, he didn't own know. the characters. Yeah. He had yeah. re- changed them all, made them the ones that we recognise now, mm-hmm. but he wasn't going to get paid for that work if, if the book went back into print the comics went back into print you get a royalty on them yeah but, uh, and so the, w- the way that jack jack kirby and all these people own none of their content the way that the guy that created batman with bob Bob Kane died on a park bench the way that dc had to be shamed into paying the people that had invented superman anything in the 80s kobeck says it's the same as the fact that we all willingly now yeah. upload our content to companies that monetize it um, because everyone wants to be these little celebrities with an icon next to their, with a funny picture next to their face, and you know, and he he says they've sort of learnt from that, and the gratitude with which people allow themselves to be exploited because
0: they enjoy yeah. the, the level of fame it creates. But isn't it also worth the, the, the same thing? Because the Jack Kirby stuff, there are some incredible stories of, you know, for instance, his, his widow just wanting some of his artwork, yeah. Could he, you know, and, and the, uh, having to fight for it and then being told, oh, no, we just put it outside the lift and then someone took it so we can't, you know, these kind of yeah, little yeah. gestures. But someone, it, and I think it kind of gets mentioned in that book, but I read an interview with someone the other day said, the thing is that the people who started Google and Facebook, they still see themselves as, we're just cool people who go, you know, oh, go, go, go in yeah. on, on a little skateboard or mm-hmm. Board to work and, and our office is so cool, and we just play blow football mm. and have brilliant coffee. But they and they don't realize that even though they are actually in charge of this massive company and yeah. it is very often behaving in oppressive ways, they still think, Yeah, but I'm like you, we're just yeah, we're all know, just yeah. cool together. Come on, yeah.
3: this is where ideas hang out and do whatever, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, but we do own it. Oh, no, that is our idea. So if you do come up with an idea while you're blowing the football, even if you haven't said it out loud, we own it. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I can't recommend it enough. It's really brilliant. And then to go back
4: to the to the New York one after that is uh, is is really great. But it's um.
0: So you've read the the uh, and the future won't be long. Yeah, the future won't be long. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, it's re- if you read I Hate the Internet
4: first, it's really great because you you're interested in what forms the characters and he and he, I mean, he's again, his research on that is. I met him actually. I interviewed him for the Guardian, and um, uh, there's a scene in in um. The New York one. What's it called again? The New York. One? The um. In that the future novel. won't be long. Yeah, the future won't be long. Where. Um. His uh. His, his characters go to L. A. and they mm. see the birthday party spin-off group, These Immortal Souls, in a nightclub, and while that's happening, the the protagonist has an interaction with a guy who he ends up having a relationship with. So I said to him, Oh, it's really brilliant. You chose that band. That just seems perfectly judged for that sort of club, in that kind of time. And he went, no, no, what I did was I wanted it to take place, that scene to take place in that month of that year Mm -hmm. at that place. So I went online and I tried to find bootlegs that you could download of any gigs from that club in that month. Mm -hmm. And the one they had was These Immortal Souls. And so I wrote it to time with what could have happened during that set, right? So basically, (laughs) Kobe has approached writing about 90s, 90s San Francisco and 80s, 90s New York. In the same way that someone's approached the court of Henry VIII for Wolf Hall, he's basically, right, yeah. he's, he's, his, his cultural references are absolutely spot on. He's, like, he's absolutely, totally made a 3D model of it. Then what's interesting about that is when he chooses to mix up real real characters with fictional characters, it's sort of, um, you don't quite know where you were. And I found Google, ironically, very useful in both I Hate the Internet and yeah, the New York because yeah. I wanted yeah. to check... Like Thomas Dish is in the is in the New York novel, and one of the characters meets him and befriends him. And I couldn't really work out whether that happened to Jarrett Kobeck or not, or whether Thomas Dish really did live in this building. And so it was you, f- you found it, it was re- it was really great. They're both fantastic. But well, I hate the internet. Helped me to understand lots of what is doing my head in at the moment in a way that. Articles about it in newspapers hadn't because it it brought a poetry and a fictional
0: resonance to it. But is that because the articles about the newspaper are about people who are immediately involved in it and they are yeah. constantly using it, whereas you you have this kind of strange relationship with social media, which is that you try to detach yourself from it, but you seem to observe it as well a oh, lot yeah, of the time in, in a way that almost feels like a more difficult relationship. So you're watching it all the time. You go, yeah. but I'm not going to go into it. I oh, know I can't go into it. No, but that no. that's... It, I don't know. It, it, yeah. it feels very masochistic sometimes. Well, Your relationship to, to it—you have to,
4: you have to try and understand it because that's where that's where ideas are being forged now. I think, but I think to, to go into it, well, I, look, I, you you know, I admire you. Right. You know, I admire you both oh. for
3: having the time and energy to do it. But actually, it would destroy me. It's a bit like to me hearing you say that. It's a bit like like I know. I, I by ten years ago, this friend of mine who was thirty at the time, he had never drunk any alcohol in his life. And he decided to have his first drink of alcohol. And I went, please don't. Yeah. Please, you're, you're out of the game. Yeah, yeah. Stay out of the game. And like an idiot, uh, he's now in the game. <laughs> no, he's dead. <laughs> he's <not> dead. <laughs> well, I'm not trying to be cool because it always
4: sounds cool when you talk about um, drugs. But, you know, and it, we, there's, uh, the, the heroin addict comedian who we all know was forever telling young ones who thought it would mean they'd be as good as him if they had heroin that it was awful and don't. Right. Don't do it, you know, because mm-hmm. but it, but it does feel like the, the I, I would be on the Internet all the time arguing with people and I would lose my temper and I would say mm. stupid, offensive things at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, that would lead me into a Toby Young style. Well, <laughs> like this, this, collapse, is, this is one of the, you know? the
3: joys, I think, of reading the, uh, this book at the moment because it's keeping me from doing that. Yeah. Yeah. you know, at least Needs if I'm reading busy. this, I'm not <laughs> online having a go at someone for no reason yeah, but your, whatsoever. Yeah, but some
4: of your things online that I've seen are hilarious.
3: Well, that's your, far too your,
4: b- well, both of you, your blogs, your blogs, again, are, answer questions that are out there in a measured and funny way, and sometimes, what's that thing you did about? David Williams going to.
3: Um, well, I mean, with, with that, uh, to David me, that, Bowie, that to was me, really that's, funny. That just had to be said. That was yeah, I know. A, well, that's That, right. that I mean, was a cultural reference that I yeah. was just highlighting. That's all yeah. it was. Yeah. yeah. yeah what was that again? He, well, what he what he wrote David on, Bowie on died, Twitter, and it was Prince. Prince. Yeah, and was what Prince, he wrote yeah. was, uh, thank you at Brian Ferry. So he added Brian Ferry. Yeah, he he yeah. was saying to us yeah, that he that knew Brian Ferry. He said, thank you at Brian Ferry for inviting me to dinner with. Hashtag Prince, so he's oh, already, right. spe- yeah, yeah, so that's basically that belittled the there. dead man, yeah. He's turned him into a hashtag, yeah, that's yeah. it. He's a hashtag, yeah, man. yeah. It was one of the best nights of my life. What you that was, for no. you oh, yeah, for me, it was, oh, no, it no, was, it was fun. I mean, David White who said it, the dinner with it was one of the right. best nights, right. of right? It's all over the place, that's what but then again, like you know, it's ridiculous. But
4: then he sent it out pretty without thinking, you know, oh, it's of sort course, of, like, of course, how Prince. bad that's going to look, you right? Right,
3: but then. He did it again when George Michael died. Right.
4: What the thank you, Brian Ferry. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah.
3: Well, for a while I was constantly thanking Brian Ferry when anyone died. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, by the way, by the way, to anyone's listening to this, this is probably this is the best part of that story from me. Brian, I mean, I check all the time. I'm actually obsessed with that one tweet from David Williams. Mm. It's probably the best book I've ever read. Mm. That one tweet from David (laughs) Williams. Um uh, uh, I'm obsessed with it. I'd check, I'd say at least once a week, maybe, maybe once yeah, a yeah. day sometimes, but um, Brian Ferry has yet to reply and that is my favourite part right. of the entire thing.
4: Right, It's a good little story that. but then but then it, I sort of feel it could happen to anyone as well. I mean, you know, it could happen to anyone, the gauche things that you're saying. Yeah. The problem is, there's, you know, the problem is that internet doesn't filter them and the main character in I Hate the Internet, Eileen, she... Um, she Says a thing. I mean, I've done this. She she says a thing out of talk to some students, mm. which is to them in that room, mm. and it gets filmed and put online and decontextualized, and then she's in the middle of a of a Twitter storm. And um, you know, it's uh, it's it's very recognizable. I, th- I think you know the, the internet is ahead of people trying to make sense of how to deal with um, mm. and what's happening now is is um, people are people are, part of the Toby Young thing is people are looking for context for those tweets that he sent out. Um, and that the context is that one of the Toby Young characters is supposed to be this stupid man who just says offensive things for the sake of it, right. you know. And then mm. the other one is a bloke who wants to be in charge of educational systems. Mm. It's sort of, and then they they can't
0: square them up. And then but he's like Joe know. Ninety, isn't he? Because yeah. when he's wearing his glasses, <laughs> Jeffrey Archer <laughs> used to do this with oh, yeah. glasses on. Right. Hello, I'm wearing my glasses. They're slightly at the bottom of my nose. I'm saying something quite clever. I haven't got the glasses on now. <laughs> <laughs> Glasses yeah. on again now. Very clever about Superman's university. Very yeah, so is it, it's a kind of, yeah. yeah. It's the opposite of Superman. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, kind yeah. of you know the, the the id can only be released when the lenses mm. are lowered. And uh, but it's um but well well that's part of the, I I think what what is intriguing is how often people don't want context. Yeah. So you see especially if it's something that's not been you know that is reported on the internet and then when someone says yeah but it was in the context go no but you said those words
4: yeah and you well, end
0: up with. Some of the Toby young things, to be honest, were were did have a context that was ignored,
4: and um, so it was. It, but not not enough to outweigh, you know, the the whole the whole lot of them. But um, some of the things were well. I can see what he's trying to do there, and he didn't. You know, that's not the same as. Uh, but then other other contexts, he, he ignored himself, and he things that made things he'd said worse than what they were. He ignored in his own defence. Uh, but you know, it's um. It, all this stuff is sort of in I Hate the Internet. Plus, it's really. It's, Kobeck's got issues with the idea of the modern novel. He says the modern novel is oh, sort great. of CIA plots to yeah, create that's so good. a notion of taste that would mm-hmm. then. It meant, meant that Russia couldn't keep up with it or something, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, and he he's, uh, argues that stylistically, in mm-hmm. this, by it being all jumbled up mess, he's trying to destroy the idea of what the modern novel yeah. is. And I think. It, you know, it's quite it's quite exciting. It's because it it does all the things a novel should do. It has multiple mm-hmm. perspectives from different characters, and it and it um it has an a, a idea that's bigger than the story, and it has a story. But some of it's like t- texts, and some of it's just opinion, and some of it's you know it's uh, really great.
0: I do think there's get, a, this, the, this
4: is a paragraph in it in the middle of some narrative. Some narrative stops, and then it goes. Man of Steel was a film adaptation of Superman, a comic book intellectual property. Superman was worth billions of dollars. Its creators, Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster, signed over the rights to their intellectual property for $130. They're both 24 years old. They're from Cleveland. It was 1938. And then the next paragraph is about something else. But gradually all these mm-hmm. things add up to a, to an indictment of where we are. And uh, superb. Um, your yeah. edition looks a little bit... You've got an American edition of you or something there. I have, yeah. And yeah. I said to him... I said to him, I thought this was one of the worst covers I'd ever seen for a book, and he said it was actually the best cover that a book has ever had. <laughs> and he pointed, me, he pointed me he pointed in the direction <laughs> yeah, of the yeah. over-designed cover for the uh, UK edition of the New York novel, and that looks like it's trying to appeal to people that bought goo well, by Sonic Youth with that kind of drawing on well, it. Well, actually, it does great.
3: really, really work, and I would yeah. never have noticed how well it worked yeah. unless I'd seen a complaint. And I think the complaint yeah. was directed to you, Rob, with someone saying... I really hate the way they've hyphenated internet. Well, yeah. that's why. That's why. Because yeah. it's, it's annoyed you on Twitter. Yeah, well, it's for Brilliant. people at
4: home who can't see. It's an, an orange book, with an ugly orange-red orange, orange colour with very plain yellow writing of the title, and the font is too large for the yeah. word internet yeah. <laughs> to fit across yeah. the front of the book. But actually, it's a superb non-design that, funnily enough, talking about the, David Keenan's post-punk but you know, a lot of those early '80s post bunk birds were great yeah. at non-design. The classic XTC cover, which is a description of what the record is, in very small right. print. You know that that all the pill ones that just say this is a record, or you know, yeah. and, and you know, it's trying to get away from there being assumptions created. And the uh, the future is now. And is that what it's called? The North New York, and that that seemed to be trying to. The British marketing gave
0: it a sort of hipster kind of cover I just wanted to quickly mention this because you gave me this book and I've started right. reading it and because I picked up this book about F- ethno's well, well, I'm really jealous of you having that book I am definitely at the very least going to lend it to you and when i finished it I may the even give it to you well, um, I'll give you something you'll like well you've got this because you gave me two books you gave me an Arthur Macken book and you've been reading some Arthur Macken this, uh, year, yeah, this year. Yeah, it will last year I don't know yeah. if you want to talk about him first let's see how he, we get on <laughs>
2: And you can see how they did get on with that conversation in part two of this episode. It was a much longer chat than normal, so we split it up into two parts. And that will be out uh, this Sunday, uh, or it might already be out, depending on when you're listening to this.
1: Now I'd like to say thank you to the following people who've been so kind Um, in supporting our podcast. Craig Fisher, Nat Slater, Matt Carr, Freya Hardy,
0: Nick Burdett, Felicity Nelson, Sandra Prow and Matthew Cobb.
1: Also, please don't forget that we have the book shambles coming up at the Albert Hall, which is uh, specifically science and science fiction authors, and we're gonna have four episodes. And the first announced guest is Lucy Green, who knows all about the sun. It's very exciting, a brilliant woman and a brilliant woman, brilliant writer. <laughs> and on June the fourth, they're gonna be on June the fourth and June the eleventh. Uh, oh yeah. Don't need to see. I keep really yeah. reading because it says you're like anchor man. That bit where, yeah, one with and, and, and uh, two
0: versions one with uh, one with Josie. This podcast is part of the Cosmic Shambles Network. Josie Robbins Book Shambles was produced by Trent Burton of Trunkman Productions.